What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone. Uh, this week, Bridie and I sit down with Dr. Lindsay Harper, uh, who is an OBGYN from Dallas, Texas. And they are also uh, the person behind the Rosie app, which is a really unique app uh, that is taking a really cool approach to sexual health, in particular, women's sexual health. Um, I, I got to say, right off the bat, you know, typically I really enjoy the conversations that we have on this podcast, but Dr. Harper is so fucking cool. Um, if I needed an OBGYN, I would hope that it is someone like Dr. Lindsay Harper. Uh, really cool conversation, and I hope you enjoyed as much as we did because um, this is up there with one of my favorites of the year. So enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side. Well, Bridey, here we are once again for another lovely episode of our fun little podcast that we've been doing for <laughs> so long. And uh, I'm really excited for today's conversation because we're going to be talking about a few things that I happen to have developed 
Well, some things that I've always been interested in, and then something that I've developed an interest in, in interest in since we started the podcast. Which okay. uh, the first one is apps. I love apps. Okay. And I'm not talking about <laughs> I'm not talking about Applebee's apps. I'm talking about <laughs> the app, applications on your cell phone or your you know or on some sort of electronic device. Mm-hmm. I love apps. But we're also gonna be talking uh, <laughs> with an OBGYN, and I I've been just I find the work that an OBGYN covers to be such an in- incredibly fascinating thing. Not only from this podcast, because obviously with 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 Termion, we dive into like, you know, uh, vaginas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Vagina health and like, <laughs> you know, like sexual well-being and sexual health. But then on, on this, on the sick boy end of things on my other podcast, we're talking to OBGYNs about like fertility and, and like really interested, like the IVF has been a huge thing we've been talking about at yeah. length lately. And it's just, we are such fascinating creatures at like the, our plumbing, you know, like our, our bits it's just so complicated. It's so wildly beautiful. It's just mind blowing. And so, of course, today we get to have these types of conversations with Dr. Lindsay Harper, who is an OBGYN and also the founder and CEO of Rosie Wellness, which is an application that has to do with sexual well being. I mean, come on. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm all the worlds are colliding. <laughs> this is great. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I, uh, I love that you called it plumbing and, and I, and I just want to like piggyback on that, uh, to like talk about how specifically the stuff in the pelvic region feels like it's the bottom of the well. Cause like we touch on like you, like there, we have no problem in, in my life hearing, you know, doctors banter around like heart health and gut health and like, but when it comes to sexual health, of course, that's like a bit of a shyer topic. Mm. And so, and I, and I think of for the general population, for the general population. Exactly. People who haven't made a career. Dr. Lindsay, Dr. Lindsay, certainly not for Dr. Lindsay Lindsay talks about it all the time. All right. So let's, let's hear about that. (laughs) Let's dive into it. Dr. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Sorry for this long winded intro, but please take a moment, introduce yourself to our listeners. Give us a little bit of insight into uh, who is Dr. Lindsay Harper. Yeah, for sure. Well, I loved the intro. Thank you so much. But I also totally share your passion and admiration. And like, I'm in total awe of the human body, just generally speaking. That's why I am a doctor. And I just still think to this day about like what a complicated system the human body is and how there are truly billions of things happening at all times of which mostly we are completely unaware that make all of these systems run in in sync it's just i find it to be super fascinating so i'm i'm glad to hear that you share that um that line of thinking but anyway um i as you mentioned am an obgyn i'm in dallas texas Um, I always knew I wanted to go, I was either going to be a doctor or a babysitter. And so I'm a doctor and I have three kids, (laughs) so I'm checking all the boxes. Um, but I fell in love with women's health whenever I was in college and I got a job that I was not qualified for, um, as a labor and delivery tech. 
And I cleaned up all of the, you know, bloody instruments and got to witness birth for the first time and got to understand what it's like to do surgery. And I was just, you know, like smitten from day one. And so mm. when I got to medical school, I knew that was the path for me, um, went straight to residency. I was in private practice as an OBGYN for eight years. And I started to really notice this, you know, sexual health thread for all of my patients. I sadly wasn't trained at all in women's sexual health, even as an OBGYN. I spent two weeks as a medical student in the erectile dysfunction clinic at the VA, but I had learned nothing about women's arousal, women's orgasm, women's sexual response, how to help my patients who were having sexual health concerns. So as one does, I fell down the rabbit hole and got super, you know, kind of um, interested, but then very quickly, super mad and pissed about the lack of resources that are available for women and our sexual health, um, particularly in the medical community. And um, so that's how I ended up where I am today. I joined a medical society that all they do is study women's sexual health, became a fellow of that organization, and then decided that instead of maybe opening a clinic here in Dallas, which I mean, still sounds so fun, that maybe there was an opportunity to make a broader impact and really change the way the medical community thinks about women's sexual health, while also trying to deliver to women evidence-based solutions for sexual health problems. And that's really what Rosie represents. That's super cool. I I, I mean, to, you know, just to hop on to something you said there, it's, again, through conversations like, like this one and, and through doing projects like this podcast, like it, it, it has just, it's really boggled my mind how, how when it comes to women's health and, you know, I mean, not just sexually, like all aspects of women's health, right down to the research level, it's, it's just, it just hasn't been taken Seriously. I mean, I, like, that's the best way of putting it. It just has been, it's just been tossed to the side. It's like, we, we focus on male mice, like male mice only. They're like, we don't, we don't want to fuck with these hormonal, you know, hysteric right. female mice. Uh, let's just stick to the male mice. Cause like, those are the ones that are like easy to, easy to predict. And, and then, and, and obviously that, that like has a, you know, a trickle down effect that moves into all aspects of, of, our well-being and 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 not and when i say our well-being i include myself in that because sure. because you know we share half the fucking planet is shared with the opposite sex and if we've got so much lacking when it comes to you know just the research like again down to the research level like that's that's where you get to do your work based on the research that came prior to you arriving to where you are and so with with that like lack of 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 uh, care for research when it comes to women's health. It's just, it's, it's a huge bummer. So to see someone step into this role of going, well, all right, fuck that. You know, I want to like, I want to change that or I want to see change in that. Um, I mean, we're always big fans of that. So, so kudos to you for that. Well, um, thank you. And I couldn't agree more. I think research and sort of basic science is all about what questions are being asked, right? And so when medicine and like, I am married to a man, I'm not like a man hater. I think these are just facts that we all have to know. Medicine was built by men, right? And, and most of them white men. And so the questions that they asked about women's health were to do with reproduction, were to do with, you know, things that kill you like cancer. Mm. And so we see that the most sort of robust data exists in infertility 
and exist. And infertility for women, mind you, like the men get left out of the conversation until very late in the game, right? Because it's definitely not the man's fault. But anyway, infertility and oncology. And those are the most robustly sort of developed parts of women's health. But every other part of a woman's life is important, maybe more so from a woman's perspective, but maybe not an outsider's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So if we have painful periods, if we're not enjoying or not wanting sex, if we are, you know, insert any use case here that hasn't been sort of raised as important in the literature. And I think there's been such an important shift over the past decade or so where we now as women represent most of the OBGYNs in the field, right? So we have been kind of taught these ideas, and I, I could go on about this for way more than an hour, but we're now starting to experience these things where we're like, wait a minute, like this isn't how it's supposed to be. And so we're able to raise the questions to the level of, you know, the research that we need. But obviously, this is a huge shift in the way that medicine generally thinks about women's health. But a lot of it has been driven by women standing up for themselves and saying, what the fuck is going on? Why is no one helping me in a real way? Why are we just sort of putting a bandaid over everything? And sort of simultaneously, the other thing I see is that women as physicians are starting to question these things as well. Yeah. But before now, we, we really have it. And yeah. so I'm excited to see where that will lead us, uh, you know, over the next, you know, the future of the world, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, um, I, I would love to kind of like, um, dive a little bit more into your origin story. But before we do, can you just give us like a, give us a, a rundown on the Rosie app? What is it all about? Yeah. What's the, what's the point of it? You know, who is it for all the, you know, the, all the, all the goods? Absolutely. Okay. So whenever I was in private practice, the number one sexual health complaint that I was seeing was, you know, I'd never want to have sex. Like I love my partner, but I literally don't care if we ever have sex. And so that kind of got me thinking like, all right, well, that's interesting. What is happening there? And so I started to learn all about, you know, as I mentioned, women's sexual response, the interventions available, the data that existed. And there is some, I think what is important to realize is that in a clinician or in a physician's mind, we are taught to think about women's sexual health as Pandora's box right? Don't open Pandora's box because you only have seven or 10 minutes with your patient and you're not a relationship therapist. And that's mm. really kind of the end of the conversation. And it's like, wait, what? How mm. can we understand that there's an, a medical component to erectile dysfunction and a medical component to depression, but we totally disavow any women's sexual health of a medical component. That's just false, by the way, that's not true, but that's the idea that we are taught as mm. physicians. And so we shirk the responsibility and tell patients to drink a glass of wine or go on vacation or get a partner that isn't, you know, that is more physically attractive or isn't an asshole, right? And it's like, well, none of those things are legitimate answers. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, that's not like, I'm a doctor. I don't say that's not my answer bank. And so um, for me, really, Rosie represents like, hey, what what is known? What do we know about women's sexual health that maybe isn't shared broadly, right? Outside of people who are really interested in this stuff like we are. But like most women don't know that 87% of women experience orgasm through clitoral stimulation. So they're coming to their doctor saying, I cannot have an orgasm through penetrative sex. What the hell is wrong with mm. me? They're, then, you know, generations of women are faking orgasms. And then we're feeling like we're not as awesome as the partner before and blah, 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 blah. Right. So this kernel of a, of a truth 
gets really blown out of proportion in our minds and our relationships because of the myths that exist in society about women's sexual health. And there's so many examples of that. So this is a very long way to answer that my sort of purpose with Rosie is to connect women with real information about how their bodies work sexually, and then the evidence-based interventions, the things we know about that can actually help them. Mm. And so we have a ton of um, so when people come onto the platform, there's a long sort of onboarding experience where we can kind of really get to understand. And something I love about digital health and to put it more simply like apps, I guess, are that we can really create an experience that's highly personalized to the to each person. Right. So and I don't want to create a bunch of like, you know, feminist Barbie bots. Right. I want to really appreciate everyone and their journey. And that includes women of all faiths. That includes women of all cultures. That includes women of all you know prior sexual experiences and current sexual contexts and so we take that into account through the onboarding and um, hmm. then we build a personalized program for each person where she is in her reproductive health journey where she is in her partnership journey is she a caretaker of parents or little kids all these things change sexual health what religion is she involved in if at all um, and then we build a program that's multidisciplinary so that involves the medical component, it involves the psychological and mental health component, pelvic floor physical therapy component, and, you know, the sort of ed the uh, overarching societal and cultural components that have to be addressed as well. So we do a lot of education. We have a library of erotica with nine different genres and three different spice levels because we know erotica is actually one of the number one interventions for desire and arousal and actually orgasm complaints as well, depending upon the reason for the orgasm complaint. Huh. Um, we offer, yeah, we can dig into that. We offer um, group workshops about, you know, all kinds of different fun things that you want to know and you want to maybe learn from an expert like a sex educator, but you're not quite sure how to access um, we do group coaching, and then we also have individual coaching as well. So we're just trying to create a really supportive, evidence-based community to increase sex positivity, decrease shame, and get women to the resources that they need faster. I went through the onboarding process this morning, and I was like, oh, like at some of those questions, like, mm. and how, uh, how simply, clearly, directly it was like, this is why I'm, this is why we want to know your age. This is why we might want to know what religion that mm -hmm. you, you practice or you have some experience with. And it was neat, even as someone, again, who's been like doing this podcast and talking about uh, sexuality for like six or seven years now on our little uh, like am amateur research uh, project over here is like to see how different threads of my life are connected to mm. my sexuality. And then... And then I don't know where I went to from there. Cause once I got in, I was like, Oh my God, there's so much to look at and to listen to. And they're all again, like really like appealing to look at. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it just took me all kinds of places that I didn't expect because we've been having these conversations for so long. So there's lots of like new cool stuff to explore. And I don't even want to know, how in the back end it may have been curated for me, but I was like, I have so many questions. <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, I, I got to say from like a, from an app perspective and, and so folks, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it now in case you're listening and you're like, want to, want to peruse while you're listening, but uh, meetrosie.com, uh, you can go there to find the information or just go to the app store and uh, find the Rosie app. But from a, from a user interface perspective, it's, it's gorgeous. Like this mm -hmm. app is very, it's very beautiful. It's very like streamlined. Um, you know, I've like, I've been fucking around with it here since we sat down and like, even while, even while 
being to, able to actively listen in a conversation, uh, multitasking, but it's like, it, it, I mean, the way it's laid out, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really beautiful app. Like, how do you, I, I mean, maybe this Thank is for, you. maybe this is for a different podcast, but like, how do you, uh, how much, how much, like, how much involved? How did you? How did you make a fucking app? You're you're an OBGYN. Like, like, <laughs> like I didn't. I didn't make. It. I have an amazing team, and I okay, want to okay, give them all it, the credit. Got, it, but got yes. it. Got it. Got it. Yes. Yeah, I'm not a developer. I'm not a designer, but I am surrounded by some supremely talented people who really understand. Like, it's to me the first time. Like, I saw V1, like the MVP of the app. It is, you know, it's like your baby has been born. Like mm. that is what it felt like because it's. Something that is I exists as an abstract exists as such a passion of mine, and for these amazing people to bring it to life is like out of this world. So mm. I wish I could say that I I did that. I I think it involves I think a lot of it involves in really defining what voice like where are we coming from, and the the perspective of Rosie has always been like a person who's an expert who you'd always who you'd still want to have a drink with. Like that, it's like, we want it to be really approachable. We want it to be really sex positive and inclusive, but we also really want to maintain the fact that we know our stuff and any, anything that's in there has been chosen with the utmost care, but for, based on who is, who is tapped to create it, you know, how are we delivering it? Like every single piece of it, we try mm. so hard to be so thoughtful about. Mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that that translates on, on your side of things as well, but we won a Webby Award for design last year and are super proud okay. of that because we have a small yep. team um, that are super passionate about, uh, you know, the work that we do for sure. Okay. That, uh, the Webby Award makes sense. I, I mean, just like, just, again, you. just like having it in my hands for a second there, that makes a lot of sense. I, I'm, I'm dying to know. Are you, are you like born and raised Dallas, Texas? I mean, you've got the Texas no. accent. Well, I'm actually born and raised Arkansas, which is more oh, of a wow. more of a Southern accent than oh, a Texas wow. accent. Okay. Yes, when I moved to Texas, everyone was like, "Where are you from?" Because I was, I think, I even had a more Southern accent than I do now. And I was like, "Arkansas, the state next door." Like, don't yeah. act like y'all yeah. are so much better than we are. But yeah, so okay, so okay, this leads me to my next question, which which actually Arkansas makes this even more fascinating, and I'm even more curious. I know that um, you know. I, I mean, I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm judging that you're probably, we're, we're probably similar 42. in age for, okay, 42. So, so a little bit older than me, but around the same age as Bridie. And we, we grew up, um, I think it's safe to say we, all three of us here grew up in a time in age where sex education sucked. Not to say that it's good now. It still sucks. Um, <laughs> it still but, sucks. <laughs> but it was probably, probably helpful. Oh, fuck. You know what? I don't know. I was going to say probably worse. But that's that's actually to be debated. Um, now, I'm also assuming here, this is an assumption, that the sex education situation in a place like Arkansas back in the early 80s probably also sucked. So what what was your experience with conversations yeah. surrounding sexuality when you were, you know, when you were coming of age? Totally. Such a great question. So on top of being raised in Arkansas, I went to Catholic school. Oh, wow. Um, and so my sex education, I mean, we did have some, so that's better than some people who have no sex education. Um, but it was definitely very STI focused, you know, anti sort of pregnancy focused, like abstinence, abstinence, abstinence at all costs. 
Um, and so it was quite heavy, but I also like my parents had me when they were very young, they were in college whenever I was born. And so I was raised sort of more, and I went to Catholic school because my mom was raised in the Catholic tradition and her mom was very strict Catholic. Mm. And so that was just sort of kind of what, what, what one does, but my parents themselves were actually quite anti-establishment um, and so they, I kind of had a different thread at home than I did at school. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I had the same book that I don't know, a lot of my friends had, which were like the, these naked, it was illustrated like naked people in a bathtub. Did everybody yeah. have that same book? I had yeah. that one. Like, same, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same book. yeah. Lots of pubes. That's so all I really yeah, remember. It was, just, it was kind of <laughs> weird, you know? Um, but so I was thankful to my parents for that, but then, you know, something else that like, I think really influences my, um, whole personality and maybe my work that I do now is that I don't know if this is even true, but it, my, I feel like that maybe as a teenager, my dad, who is like, I love him. He's amazing. He was like, you know, Lindsay, everything just comes down to sex. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, it sex is sex makes the world go round. Power's about sex. Money's about sex, mm. like everything. And I was like, okay. So I don't, I still don't know. I think I actually think he's probably right. But I think that there's such an important piece to who we are as humans, how we function in the world that goes down to intimacy and feel, you know, the, the feelings created by intimacy that is totally unacknowledged. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so detrimental to us as individuals, to us as potential partners, and really to, you know, society as a whole. And I think the more we try to disavow that or stuff that down or not acknowledge that it is an important part of who we all are. I think it does, you know, more harm and creates more sort of violence and subversiveness and um, doesn't really honor that for what it could and should be. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
In terms of people like prioritizing their health and their, you know, development and growth in their lives, what what have you seen or what would you have to say about people who have for whatever reason have not prioritized that aspect of their health or don't necessarily see it as a priority with all of the other things? Like how does neglecting that part of our health affect the rest of our lives? Yeah, I think there's a complete disconnect between what people think of as health and what people think of as sex. And so that's really how I view my sort of role in medicine really is connecting sex to health and this idea of sexual health, right? And I think that we're taught to prioritize health and well-being. And just more recently, we've been taught to include mental health as a piece of that. And I think that sexual health is hopefully on the same path as mental health, but maybe a decade or a decade and a half behind where it's like, okay, let's pretend that mental health isn't, you know, before then, let's pretend that mental health isn't a thing. Let's stuff it down because of shame and embarrassment that anyone's ever anxious or depressed or, you know, any other thing. And let's talk about physical health and and how that shows up in terms of, to your point earlier, cardiovascular health, um, potentially even obesity, you know, like all of the things that we can see and hear and feel comfortably talking about. But these ones that are filled with more shame that we're taught from the very beginning to disconnect ourselves from and to pretend that they don't exist, stay separate and until there's like actual sort of hard work done to connect the two again. Mm-hmm. And I think when we don't address sexual health, I mean, the outcomes are huge, right? And this is what I was seeing with my patients and what I started to recognize is not only does it have negative effects on the physiology that we experience in our own body or and also we're not taking advantage of positive effects that it could have in a, in a more positive relationship. It also has just sort of like a, you know, this huge um, sort of outward effect where it, it affects how we feel as individuals, which is projected on how we present to everybody around us, right? It affects if you are in any type of relationship and experiencing a sexual health problem, the lack of our ability to put a name to that, to have a conversation that's educated about it, rather than just going straight to blame in terms of, you know, the partnership is totally limited. And then that results in, you know, the breakdown of many relationships, sometimes the breakdown of families, just because we cannot have conversations about this stuff. And so it's once again, this idea of like a kernel of a problem, which is blown completely out of proportion because of the many layers of sort of shame and embarrassment that we've buried these actual like, you know, kind of easier to treat issues underneath all of this stuff that's much more difficult to untangle. Mm. So, you know, when I think about the other effects of health, there's definitely, you know, physiologic issues, mental health, depression and sexual dysfunction, which is what we call it in the medical world are the number one comorbidities of one another, meaning people who are depressed are the most likely people to have sexual dysfunction and vice versa. Mm. So these two things are are very connected to one another, but then also the the outward effects of these issues going unaddressed in our in our more global uh, lives as well. So there's mm. a lot of a lot there. Yeah. And I, I got man, I, it makes me think like you know, that that statement about the people who are dep- like the comorbidities with depression and, and sexual yeah. dysfunction. Um, like even I'm just thinking about people that are, that are, that are dealing with depression. And so you're dealing with depression, but it's untreated uh, or you're going to talk therapy or whatever, and you're trying to get through it and you're having this sexual dysfunction. And then all of a sudden you're like, all right, well maybe I'll like, maybe I'll medicate. 
And then you get on some medication to treat the depression. And you're like, hey, I'm actually starting to feel better. Um, but the SSRIs are tanking my sex drive as right. well. So it's like, it's just this, it feels like it's a, must be just like this feeling of despair, this pit of despair that even, even after getting for some, not, not for everybody, I'm not saying that like all SSRIs are going to ruin your sex life, but, but those people that like, like get, get, let's see the light once again. And then all of a sudden right. this, this medical intervention that they're taking that helps them also is getting in the way of their sexual well-being, which of course is just this giant spiral, right? Totally. And it's important from a medical perspective to communicate that there are SSRIs that are harder on sexual function than others. And there's right. a whole different category, SNRIs, right? And so what we know now, and, and here's the challenge from a medical perspective, is that the older SSRIs that you know everyone tries first are the ones that are the worst for sexual function. Mm. And that's because they're not targeted. They're just sort of laying a blanket over your serotonin receptors and they're like, okay, you know, and that includes your sort of sexual function response. Mm. And so whenever you try an SSRI and you and you have a sexual side effect, that in your chart and in your sort of medical history is considered a, a medication failure or and and so you can go back to your provider or whoever's prescribing and say hey i had sexual side effects which we're not all great counseling about right and we can and they can say hey this pa this patient failed this treatment and then they can move you to one of the newer ones that's more targeted and that way you can hopefully experience the positive effects on your mood, but not experience the negative effects on sexual mm. function. And so it's important that people know that, that physicians and other providers know that. And there's also medicines you can add back, right? So if you're if you're on, if you're stable and you're so happy on your mood, you know, regulation with your whatever medicine, we can take, we can add, a, you know, we have a couple of other tricks up our sleeve to add back. So it's mm. not a hopeless situation. And what we never want to, people to do is, to stop their medications without a conversation about right. it because you know that can that can kind of lead in a, in a not great place but there are other and this is my job as a physician is to train other physicians like hey if your patient has a negative sexual side effect on an ssri here's some other strategies you can right. try right. right and so and that way hopefully we can continue to <clears throat> make the conversation more robust i'm glad you made that point because i i think you know it's it, for a lot of people out there there's there's you know, we, we still, we, they, we still go around the world thinking like, well, the doctor said this and this is what the doctor said. And the doctor is the one who knows. Yeah. So I guess like, I guess the SSRI just, just nerfs my sex drive and that's all I can do. But to arm people with that information, it, it allows them to advocate for themselves and to have those conversations that they can have, even right. though they might not be aware that that's even an option to have. So I'm glad exactly. that you, uh, you brought that to the forefront. I speaking, oh, sorry, sorry. Well, there was just something I feel like is on the same topic that showed up for me when I was looking at the app and I'd never heard of it before. I know this is exactly where I was going to go. Okay. I can't wait for this. Yeah. Okay. And I think I think I have the acronym right here. HS what is that? Is what HSDD. I wrote down? Yeah. Okay. Hypoactive sexual desire disorder. I also I've, I've heard, of, heard of this. I've heard of low libido yeah. a trillion times. Yeah. But hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, which is defined in the DSM okay. as a persistent or recurrent absence of sexual fantasies and desire for sexual activity, which causes marked personal distress or interpersonal difficulties. Mm -hmm. I never heard that term before. And I always just was like, yeah, low libido. There's not, it's kind of like a catch-all term. And 
But now I'm seeing like, oh, HSDD is in the DSM. This libido's legit. It's got a name. This is one of my favorite topics. So I'm so glad you asked. So, okay. 39% of women identify with that idea of low desire, right? So that's nearly half of women. And I have a slide about this that I'm going to give a lecture on on Saturday. But so that is like my big bubble, right? So this is 39% of women fall into this category. And within the big bubble, there's a little bubble, about 10% of women qualify for a diagnosis of HSDD, what we just talked about. And the difference between the two is that the big bubble, the, the delta between the little bubble and the big bubble, they have they identify with something called responsive desire, but they may not know about responsive desire until we teach them. And the little bubble, the HSDD bubble, don't have responsive desire. They are not responding to sort of erotic cues or signals no matter what. So I'm going to break this down. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the old sort of Masters and Johnson sex research, they they actually like had people come into the lab, observe them having sex, took notes, and then they like presented that data for everyone to, you know, take as as uh, as the fact about sexual health. And so they saw that first came arousal. Um, then this plateau, then orgasm, and then this resolution. And so that's what was kind of put forth. And then about 20 years later, someone said, well, what about desire? Where does desire go? And because this linear pathway had been laid out, they stuck desire on the front. So in most people's minds, we think desire comes first, then arousal, which happens in the body physically, desires in the brain, arousals in the body, then this plateau before orgasm, then orgasm, then resolution. But what we learned about 20 years, 10 years later after the desire change was that actually many women and some men identify with this idea of responsive desire, where you are exposed first to a sexual cue like erotica that creates arousal in the body, right? And so that's like a genital arousal, right? So you can feel just like in a men experience erection, women experience erection too, blood engorges the pelvis, it makes the clitoris erect, Um, you can feel kind of throbbing and pulsing in the pelvis. And so for many women, they experience arousal first, and then the desire to move forward with some sexual act comes second. And that is okay and normal and not pathologic. Like there's nothing, there's no diagnosis attached to that, but many women don't know that. And so they're sitting around waiting for like spontaneous desire to happen and it just doesn't happen. And so then they come to their doctor thinking, I have low desire, what's wrong with me? So we start by teaching everyone about responsive desire. And there's that certain subset of women, the 10% of women, who no matter what they, and I tell them they could be like on a desert island with no children, not a care in the world, partner or partners of their dreams, like watching porn and literally nothing's happening for them. You know, they're like, no, like I could not care less about having sex right now. And that's the sort of the HSDD category. And another important qualifier is that these women identify that they used to have a, an adequate, like a, a, you know, sexual desire to themselves. And then they don't. So that also sort of removes people who identify as asexual from the diagnosis of HSD okay, as well. Okay, I'm, yeah. th- I'm glad you brought that up because that was my next question. I was going to be like, oh, this is so fascinating. What is the, like, how do you differentiate HSDD yeah. from asexuality? I mean, my assumption would have been that it's th- th- there, that HSDD comes with more of a, a dissatisfaction, dis- disorder, dis- dysfunction type of feeling, whereas asexuality, aside from the this 
dysfunction of like societal pressures. Sure. There's, there's a less of like a, a sort of why am I, you know, what, like what's, why am I feeling what's this disorder? What's wrong with me? Um, but yeah, anyway, so HSDD right. has that change, right? So they used to have what they felt to be yeah. adequate desire, and now they have none. Right. I, in my experience, people who identify as asexual do experience some, at least for a period of time, really significant distress in most cases. Yes. Not, yeah. And to your point, it's it's mostly because of this external expectation. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the HSDD women, they identify that there is some internal expectation, but are also having that external expectation as well. So it's important. I mean, and and it's a lot to tease out, but something that's important is that this uh, HSDD has been identified as being caused or being originating in the brain. And so they watched or they observed women without HSDD or who didn't meet criteria for HSDD watching porn and did a functional MRI of the brain and watched the neurotransmitter activity and compared that to women who did qualify. And the, the Delta, like the different that you can see on the functional MRIs is dramatic. Um, So it's a neurotransmitter situation, just like we might consider depression, right? So it's like, okay, when, if you're, if someone's clinically depressed, they, they're, one of the screening questions is, um, you know, do have you lost interest or joy in, you know, activities or things that used to interest you in the past? And this is sort of the corollary, the sexual corollary of that, right? So like in the past, I used to be interested and excited about sex and now no go. And it's all neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Same same idea though of why the blanket SSRIs do what they do, right? right. So the right. physiology makes sense. Huh. That's fascinating. Okay. So interventions for mm-hmm. that, like how come erotica keeps coming up? Why, why yeah. is this such a, a like <laughs> one of the primary functions of the Rosie app as well? Like what, what's going on yeah. there? So but here's the thing. It's, I am so sad always to have people come and feel so hopeless and just confused and literally all they need is erotica. Like I'm telling you, it solves so many problems and it's hard for many people, like, especially where, you know, the area that I'm from, there's a lot of, you know, I, I first tested Rosie before we ever launched with, I think like 10 of my patients for my practice. And I was like, my baby, like, what do you guys think? You know? And one of these women I had been through, you know, a terrible mid uh, pregnancy loss with her. And we just had a very close relationship at this point. And um, she was like, I will literally do anything for you. I think what you're doing is amazing. But reading erotica makes me feel like I'm cheating on my partner. Like I can't, (laughs) like this is too much for me. And my mind was blown. Like I just had never thought about it from that perspective. You know, like that's just not my context. And so that really informed how we built the product, which is to say many people who try erotica on the Rosie platform, it's their very first interaction with it. They're actually quite nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about erotica as a prescription because it's like, hey, this is how, you know, many people's bodies and brains work. And there's nothing wrong with that. We have prescription medications that you can certainly try, or we have this behavioral health tool that is extremely inexpensive, you know, side effect free, like, and this will work for the big bubble, the 30, 39% minus 10% of women who have that responsive desire. And we know that it does. Rosie has published and presented, you know, many studies about our efficacy at improving women's sexual health on standardized clinical scales. And, 
you know, we see that more, the more women use Rosie, the more improvement that they see. And the biggest factor is erotica. And that's just all there is to it. And so, you know, as a physician, sometimes when, and you know, I consider Rosie like a women's health app. And so it's always an interesting conversation to untangle why erotica exists on the platform, but it's because it's literally one of the most efficacious and safest tools we have for women's sexual health concerns. Mm. That is so wild mm. to me because <laughs> at the beginning of this conversation, we talked about how you mentioned the word complex and like in terms of our body systems and also in terms of like all of the layers of whatever that we put on top of, of our own perception of, of sex and sexual health. And it seems too easy. It seems too simple to say, read some erotica and like, there's a really good chance it will help. It's, it's like, there's a desire to, to, to find a solution that is as complicated as the body that I live in, you know? And like, I think a lot of times, at least in my own sexual health journey, talking about, it's like a lot of talking about, well, this is, maybe this is why my brain's a little fucked up about sex because of this thing in my past and this thing in my education and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'll never have the sex life that is, seems to me to be the one that looks healthy and desirable, unless I sort out all of this like mm. mental shit that is mm. on top of our, you know, sexuality. Mm. But then, but then I hop on the app this morning and I do the intake and I read a little erotic and I'm like, suddenly <laughs> I feel mm. great. Mm. Suddenly my day has changed her direction. And it's like, it's really nice. I don't know. It's just nice that there's something that's like simple like that because the, the you know one of the first uh, things that I I looked at when I when I read that HSDD thing was like okay now there's but there's like you can get you can get meds for that you can get a shot for that and you know and then reading about how like later on after menopause like some people take testosterone to deal with this and like just like those types of you know medical interventions that I'm probably more likely to. I don't know, c come across than a physician telling me to read erotica. And well, so I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I think about, I, I think that we all think about health in 2023 as more than just a prescription, right? Yeah. And that's how I want to address all areas of my health. That's how I want my patients to address all areas of health. And so that doesn't mean that it's an either or situation, that it's a therapy or medication, just like it's honestly, it's so much like depression. It's like, why can't it be a pie where we, you know, we do what's right for us at the time, but I think all of it has to start with baseline education or else we're not going to get anywhere. Right. Because people are not going to be able to erase shame that they feel around reading erotica with, you know, a really sort of very narrow view. Right. So we have to start with this education. How do our bodies work? But yeah, I think to your point, sometimes this you know, work that we feel is so necessary can get so heavy. And then it uh, makes us avoid doing it because it's just so much, whether it's, you know, whatever we're referring to. And so it is nice to have a behavior health tool where you're like, okay, like the majority of the time, this is going to work for me. And that doesn't mean you don't want to do any of that stuff or, but yeah, it can be, it's a lot. It's so much. And so I really to think, I think that to think about health as a pie of choices that you can kind of move into these different parts of the of the pie sort of as it feels appropriate for you in that time. It's really all about options 
And that's, that's what I think is so exciting for the future of women's health and maybe even for the future of health more broadly is that we are empowered as patients. It's not physicians handing us the next thing to do, but we are aware and armed with the, the choices for, you know, where we are on our journey. Okay. I'm curious about <clears throat> the, so I, I mean, you kind of touched on this earlier, but with erotica, um, you know, I, 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 I actually don't, I don't consume much erotica. Uh, I, I've read a little bit based on, like, there was like a book laying around the house. And I was like, what's this all about? And I read it and I was like, Ooh, that's um, like, that's spicy. That's porn. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's just like, that's word porn. Um, so the, I, I see on the app that there's like, there's sort of like a, a, a rating system. It looks like there's uh, I mean, three, three, three flames being the, the, the spiciest and then one flame being the, the, you know, the lowest is it, it, I guess it's it, three is the highest. Is that the, that's right. That's okay. the hottest. Okay. So, and when we say hottest, are, we're, like, what's the what's the difference between like a one and a three? Like, are we talking yeah, a, like explicit rating? Like, like this one gets like very descriptive with you know, or or like what's what's the difference between the three? Yeah. So for us, erotica, because we're working with you know people who are trying to work on sexual health goals, there are other erotica platforms which I'm a huge fans of, but often those people are seek out those companies for different reasons than they might seek out erotica on Rosie, right? And so with that level of responsibility came a really um, important need for the, the person herself on the platform to be able to very tightly curate her experience. So as I mentioned, we have people who are reading erotica for the very first time. And to be clear, sometimes people don't know what erotica means, and it can mean different things in different contexts. Rosie's erotica is written like a book, like you said, and we have audio, but there's not any video. And the reason we made that choice is because women, while there are lots of women who like to watch porn, women generally are into using our imaginations. And sometimes video, like watching other people have sex on video, can automatically lead to negative thoughts about our own bodies and things like that. So having it written or audio allows us to be more flexible and sort of less judgy kind of of our imagining ourselves either yeah. compared to that person or in that situation. So right. that's, that's why we chose that. But um, yeah, so one flame is like the notebook, like <laughs> people okay. might be having sex in the other room and we probably are going to like touch on that a little bit, but you're not going to know any of the details. Right? right. So it's the, it's more like the idea of romance, like why, you know, how but focusing, trying to take the brain from a really sex negative spot, kind of, you know, bridging it over maybe to more of these other ideas. And so there are genres that can lead from, you know, monogamous couples all the way, you know, kind of sort of all the, all the iterations of what sex can look like. And then we also have, which I'm really proud of, we've created um, erotica for specific patient populations. So we have a lot of breast cancer uh, survivors and patients on our platform. And they wrote to us a long time ago that they don't like reading about women with, in breasts and nipples in erotic situations because they're they have a very sort of complicated relationship with breasts and nipples and sex. And so we, we made erotica specifically for those patients. We're working on erotica specifically for women who are survivors of sexual trauma. 
um, that, you know, are very sort of consent focused and not any, you know, uh, not anything that doesn't feel or hasn't been deemed safe in those stories. So, um, you know, we're, we're really trying to kind of drill down into how can we help the audience that's on our platform the most and the, the um, rating system, if you will, the spice levels, and then also the genre selections are important parts of those for sure. Mm. I love the idea of erotica being like in a lab, like, you know, like, mm. Yeah, we're studying it. Yeah, exactly. We do, we do. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's really cool. Like, this is the you know we've talked about erotica a number of times on the show, but this is the first time like talking about it from a from a um like from a like you like you said it's like like prescribing erotica. That's that's a really neat idea. I, I I I mean, I just I can't imagine what that feeling would be like, like going to your GP and then being like, well, here, have you, have you, have you read, uh, keeping it fresh, um, or, or, uh, Kelly and the uh, werebears one. And, and you're like, Holy fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> like, I just, I love it. I think it's, I think it's so brilliant. Um, and, and again, like, uh, I, I just, I want to say it again, folks, the, the app, um, uh, like, like <laughs> we're, I have no, I have no, uh, there's no pressure for me to talk this app up, even though you're here in front of me. Um, I'm not doing it to be nice. I really do mean it that this is like, it's a beautiful app. Um, and, and if you didn't catch the Webby Award part at the, at the start, I mean, that should just tell you everything you, you need to know. It's a wonderful app. The, uh, the Explore page is full of interesting content. I mean, for, you know, just to put it out there, um, uh, under the Explore page, which is like just full of resources. You have everything from religion, parenthood to uh, perimenopause and menopause, LGBTQ plus issues, uh, pregnancy, postpartum, cancer, low desire, body image, stress and fatigue, male partners, sexual concerns, um, sex ed, sexual communication, relationship. I mean, like it just, there's, and that's just, that's just picking a few, um, let alone the erotica and the, you know, the like sort of social, aspect of the community and, and even down to live events, which I think is really neat. Um, not only do you have this application that you can go and use for resources, but then there's seems to be like no shortage of, you know, presentations and webinars and things that people can, can tune into and engage with in, in, you know, in person on their, on their phone. Um, which I just think is, Everything about this to me is is like just it's so sex positive. It's so forward thinking. It's useful. so needed and so useful. Um, and I I'm I mean after speaking to you, um, Lindsay for for this you know almost an hour. It's it's very clear to me that this is like this is made with the best intentions, and it is made by someone and a team of people who know what they're doing and know what they're talking about. And and um, I. I mean, you've, you've got a fan in me and, and we, uh, we just think this is incredible. So thank you so much for a making such a rad app and, uh, and B for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and chat with us. This has been a real pleasure. And, uh, I would love for you to just take a moment to let people know. I know I said it earlier, but how can people find the app? How can people stay up to date with the work that you're, you're doing? 
Yeah, well, thank you so much for that um, just really supportive comment. And I appreciate it so much. Anytime people share that stuff with me, I'm always like, let me write it down and read it to myself on the dark nights <laughs> where I'm like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Um, so thank you. That honestly means so much to me. And I will definitely pass it along to the team. And we're so passionate about the work. But um, if people want to follow along, um, as you mentioned, our website is meetrosie, M-E-E-T-R-O-S-Y.com. We're on Instagram at me underscore Rosie. Um, and you can stay up to date on all the latest live events. We'd love for you to download the app, which is just Rosie in the app store, um, R-O-S-Y. And, you know, we're always, the thing about a, an app is, and a, and a digital health platform is that it is changing literally every day. Mm. So we love to hear from people who are, you know, in the community. We're learning always. Um, we are always adding to the resources, everything that you see, you know, in the, on the explore page and, and in the live events are as a response to things that people have requested or need more help for, whether it's on the physician side or on the, you know, the, the people who use the platform the most. And so I'm always open to feedback and connecting with people that we're trying to help. So thank you all for helping us to talk more about it. Thank you for the work that you do and being so sex positive and putting so much sex positivity out in the world and having real conversations. And, um, you know, it's just, it's such a great thing to be a part of this community. So thanks for having me. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful, so generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that. Sex toy. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 